Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Leading Off Podcast. As always, I'm Matthew Braun, and I'm uh, talking to another person over here. Who is this? Hey everyone, Cooper Carlson here for episode 11. Episode 11, we're getting up there. I've been doing a lot of these somehow. I don't know how we keep doing it, but we do. <laughs> Anyways, this episode, this is the post-trade deadline season episode, so we'll be talking about that. Uh, but first, we'll be talking about We Can Review then getting uh, the trade deadline stuff, uh, not only involving the Twins, but Cleveland and probably the American League as a whole, because there was a lot of nothing and a lot of very important things at the same time. Uh, we'll be talking about Devin Smelter's most recent outing, whether he's sticking the bullpen or in the starting rotation. We'll be talking about injury news, both good and a lot of bad. Uh, we have fan question, mm, unfortunately, only one of them this week. <laughs> kind of sucks. Uh, of course, the eternal question, did Martin Perez do his job? That will always just stay in our agenda. Then we'll talk about a little bit about prospects and the minor leagues as a whole. And then, of course, looking ahead. So, got a full episode in. I'm ready. I think it's been pretty fun. So, let's start with the week in review. Uh, you want to take that first series or uh, you want to take the second series? Yeah, I'll start it off. Uh, so, this All past right. week, we started with the uh, started with the Miami Marlins series where the Twins were able to take two of three here. Um, it was going in. It was kind of like. It was the start of this easy schedule against Miami and Kansas City, and you knew you got to at least take two out of three here, and a sweep was hoped for, but won the first two games. I mean, seemed pretty easy. Went into the third, everyone knows the story here, leading 4-1. Then we brought in uh, Sam Dyson for his Minnesota Twins debut, and he didn't exactly get any outs, so in the form after a while, Rodgers did his thing, and, well, the Twins ended up losing this game. It was a heartbreaker. Everyone wanted to sell the team. Everyone was down, and it sucked. I mean, overall. But we still won two out of three, so don't worry, everyone. Well, yeah, it was it was a tough one to, to swallow because when you're up 4-1 against Miami, I mean, you should win that every single <laughs> time. I don't think anyone will say otherwise. Uh, so I guess interesting question. I have a very hard opinion on this. I, I assume you're going to agree because that's the nature of this. Uh, do you think Sam Dyson should have been brought in that game? Because I absolutely did not think he should have. No. And, I mean, of course not. We agree. But, no. Um, and something – I mean, I like – he just got off the plane. He got in the dugout. What, the fifth inning? And Rocco brings him in. I guess, you know, people are saying don't make excuses for it. But you could have brought him – you could have brought in Trevor May. I mean, I guess if Rodgers – you brought him in later in the game, may as well just put him in that inning if you got to do it. I mean – Stasek even, he had a good inning later. Just not the guy who just arrived. Give him a day to settle in. Yeah, yeah. I was like, does he even know Jason Castro's name at this point? Like, yeah. why Why is he coming into this game in the in the, the ninth inning for the save? Uh, especially because, I mean, three outs against the Marlins to save three runs, like, literally anyone else could have done that. I thought, I, if I, I mean, 
I'm not going to put myself in Rocco's shoes, but I am going to put myself in Rocco's shoes. I would have put in Ryan Hartford. I would have forgotten about it. I think he would have gotten three outs, easy money. I don't think it would have been a question. I think it was like a kid getting a new present on Christmas. You just want to use it. And, uh, well, he broke his toy car, unfortunately. Yeah, and so. definitely with you there. And, yeah, seeing yeah. a guy like – and then Trevor May, I was big on him getting into some of these games. I think he threw a total of, like, one pitch over this whole week, and then they throw in Sam Dyson here who just gets off the plane, and I don't know. Anyone else would have worked, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, to be fair to May, that was one hell of a pitch. One pitch, one out, man. <laughs> he got the win for it, too. Yeah, one pitch, one out, one win. I mean, shit, you can't get more efficient than that. Yeah, what more do you want? I can't ask much more. So, yeah. Unfortunately, Heartbreakers still end up taking the series. I think what really hurt more was that uh, Cleveland at the time was playing uh, Houston, and Houston took two out of three, so that would have been a great chance to uh, – I mean, they ended up adding to their lead this week by one game, but it could have been two, and that really is where you're kind of like, man, I hope that doesn't come back to bite us. So. Yeah, definitely. Cleveland, Cleveland's being – they're, you know, hotter than a million times right now. It's insane. I mean, we sweep a team, as we'll get to in a minute, and, of course, Cleveland does the exact same thing. It's just step for step right now, and you can't back down at all. You can't, but we'll talk about them later. Uh, moving on, mm-hmm. the only – well, all the Twins can do is control themselves. They can just win their games, worry about Cleveland later. But yep. they did exactly that over uh, Kansas City. They finally came back for a nice long homestand. First team you get is the Royals. And now, you know I have to do this uh, because, <laughs> as you may know, uh, I do have uh, powers bestowed upon me by God that I can indeed see the future. And I, I am now 7 for 7, my serious prediction, because I called the sweep of the Royals, and you can bet your sweet ass it happened. They swept the Royals. Uh, it was a close game, game one. It shouldn't have been a close game. Again, they put in Sam Dyson. I don't think he should have been anywhere near that game, but it still ended up winning because Sergio Romo saved their asses. Uh, second game, blowout. Nelson Cruz was just a monster. I, Man, that guy, I don't know how he continues to do it, even though he's almost as old as my dad. And then uh, game three, uh, somewhat of a close one, very typical like Sunday type of game, quick just a nice 3 nothing win. Devin Smeltzer pitched well. The offense did what it needed to do. So a, a nice sweep. Uh, I mean, all you can really do is beat up the bad teams. You got a bad team on the schedule, all you can do is just crush them, and they did that. So Yeah, that's true. And I, I wrote the uh, game recap for today, and I guess if you're going to throw a little brag in there, I will too. Ooh. I wrote three game recaps for Twinkie Town, and I just wrote my third today for Twins Daily. And you may be seven for seven, but I am also six for six on Twins wins on my uh, game recap. So there's something as well. Okay, all right, that's that's fairly <laughs> impressive. I, you know, I'm not going to give you credit to where I'm at because I'm basically like walking on water at this point. But that's impressive. Also, yeah, I have nothing to do with it whatsoever. I just, I think <laughs> you gave me some of that magic, and it just came onto the Twins sort of. So you know, maybe, I'm maybe. Call it good there. maybe that's what happened. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all. So we're, I guess we're the good luck charms. Can't hate on that. Exactly. <laughs> so good series against the Royals. Uh, five and one on the week of refreshing five and one. And again, they're not great teams, but again, you know what? In the win-loss column, it doesn't matter. So they are now at uh, 69, a nice amount of wins. Uh, was 10 more than they were at 2016. Good Lord, that team was awful. <laughs> 
Yeah, and they got Ray and Pelfrey in the rotation now, and we don't. So who's really the winner? <laughs> I mean, uh, truly, truly, who's the winner? Ah, <laughs> oh, Mike Pelfrey. I don't oh man, that guy. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a somewhat important thing that happened this last week. I don't know if you've heard the little thing called the trade trade deadline. Uh, I, I'm sure you were like blissfully unaware of this, correct? Uh, yes. Even though I actually, so for Twins Day, I was writing the uh, trade by trade. I, had to, I was writing it down, and you know, so I could post it at the end and every single trade. And when three o'clock hit, I thought, all right, I should be about done now. And then about <laughs> fifty trades hit at once, and for the next hour and a half, I was just typing, trying to get them all fit in. But it was fun. I mean, it was good. The Twins yeah. actually. In the midst of all this, they made a deal. Did you see that one? Well, 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 we'll, we'll talk about that. Like you said, I always, uh, I always enjoy because the trade deadline officially ends uh, at uh, what three Eastern. But uh, you know, when a trade gets done, and when we hear about it, it's two different things. So every year, without fail, there's an extra twenty minutes so of like grace period where it's like, no, these deals are being made. For the most part, it's some lower stuff where it's the team finally like, screw it, we're gonna press the button. But uh, without fail, people always fall for it. It hits uh, the clock hits noon or three or whatever, and we're like, ah, dang, do I that 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 all this shit? But uh, <laughs> yes, the twi- the twins in the eleventh hour acquired Sam Dyson from the Giants, who decided to both be sellers and buyers, which I enjoy. It's very fun when a team decides to do that. Uh, so shout out to the Giants. But uh, Twins admit acquired Sam Dyson. Uh, I think personally, I think I overlooked Dyson at the time. Um, I didn't realize he was having such a great year. I mean, compare him to all the other relievers that were on the market. He's up there in a lot of categories. And even, uh, uh, was it Craig Edwards, I believe, for Fangraphs wrote an article at the time, the Twins acquired the best reliever trade at the deadline. So a very under-the-radar pickup, you know, forget the first few outings that he's had so far and the other issues that he's had that we'll get to. But I thought that was a solid pickup. I assume you thought it was solid also. I did at the time. I um, and then of course the Twins don't, didn't give up any even top thirty prospects. They did give up outfielder Jalen Davis, who's been tearing the cover off the ball in AAA, but got to give to get. And I mean there wasn't really a place for him, obviously. But uh, Sam Dyson, some something I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but he posted that his home and away stats. Did you see this? I have seen him, but go ahead with them. All right. So his home stats, which means this is in the Giants ballpark, not the current home of the Twins. He's got a 0.34 ERA in 26 innings, opponent average of 178, 204 on base, 189 slugging, which is all very good. But the thing is, you know, he's not pitching there anymore. And when he doesn't pitch in that ballpark, which would include Target Field and every other park we'll be playing in this year, he's had 24 innings pitched, 24.2, I guess, an ERA of 5.84 and an opponent slash line of 263, 327, and 453. He's just been, like, literally awful away from Giants ballpark, and he's not going to be pitching there anymore. So I don't know if that's concerning to you, or it certainly is to me. Hmm. That's, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of layers there, because I don't think it's as easy as to say the home and road splits and be like, well, there they are. He's obviously terrible, you know, away, and he's a lead at home, because... I mean, what you said, it was 24 innings. That's an awfully small sample size we're talking about. Like, uh, for example, like the first 24 – take the first 24 innings of Martin Perez's 2019. I mean, he was basically God, wasn't he? So it's, it's some stuff can get screwy. I think over the last uh, – I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I think I saw over the last two years his home and road splits were 
more even, so I'm more willing to err on the side of those who are a bit fluky as far as this year, as far as, like, relievers numbers in general. So maybe yeah. it's I mean, a I concerning, be, but I don't know. I would be overlooking it a little bit more if he didn't come into his first two games as a twin and totally implode, and now he's literally on the IL week after we got him. Everything well, possible has gone wrong with him. I mean, that kind yeah, of makes it a little difficult to overlook. <laughs> I mean, certainly, you you then look at the, the uh, other details, and you're like, okay, so what's happening here? I'm more willing to forgive <laughs> the first two outings because I said I don't think you should have been in the first game. And then I definitely, considering what happened in the first game, don't think you should have been in the second game. I mean, good Lord, Rocco, the dude, the poor guy, just give him, give him some time. He probably doesn't know anyone to deal at this point. Like, geez, throw him right into the fire, why don't you? And then, of course, this morning, we got the uh, was the bicep tendonitis officially. It's got the arm uh, problem. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so mm-hmm. far it seems the, like what they've been saying. It's more of a standard. Like sometimes pitchers go through this type of deal more than like he's damaged goods. So uh, I don't know. Really, truly, all we can do with Dyson right now is say time will tell. Yeah, that's fair. And, I mean, he's going to continue to be put into those big spots, obviously. They're not just going to shy away from that because of these couple outings. So we're going to get to continue to see him in the seventh and eighth inning. And, I mean, one-run games here coming up against, I guess, well, not in the Braves or Cleveland series, but everything after that, really. Yeah. So hopefully, I said, all we can do is hope he gets better. But uh, Dyson, still for the time being, say he's a good pickup. So, uh, and he's still under team control for next year, so. You always like that. It's not just a half-season type of deal. But uh, moving, mm-hmm. kind of expanding with the trade deadline talk, uh, talk about more of what the Twins did, which was acquire Dyson, and which they didn't do, which was everything else. Uh, and there, there's there's a lot to unpack as far as how this trade deadline um, unfolded. Because it was really jarring to me, actually. I saw uh, the numbers say that this was the most – like, there was, there was the most trades and most players moving out of any trade deadline ever. But then I look back, and I'm kind of looking, like, did anything really change, though? Like, hmm. with the exception of one major trade, which we'll get to, did the landscape of MLB, the, or even smaller, the AL, the NL, or even smaller, any divisional race fundamentally change? And I don't really think it did. Like, maybe some areas where they did, but, it, I mean... Other than, as I said, I'll just say it, the Astros acquiring Zach Greinke and just, you know, dropping mm-hmm. the bomb on everyone and now becoming the, the Golden State Warriors of MLB, I don't feel like a whole lot happened. Yeah, and I think the largest reason, without question for that, is the two trades that happened with, I mean, two of the top three seven pitchers that were traded with, Stroman and uh, Bauer. If they go to contending teams, we kind of, I bet we see this trade deadline as a lot more impactful than what we do now. Like, we kind of just forget that Marcus Stroman went to the New York Mets and Trevor Bauer is now on the Reds. Like, that changed a lot, but those teams probably aren't going to make the playoffs, so we kind of overlook it and go, well, the landscape didn't change. Like like you said, you're right, because it didn't with those trades, I don't think. Yeah. So it just, And then as a byproduct of that, absolutely, like, no starting pitchers moved. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Like, all these, like for, for months and months, we were talking about it, like, oh, for sure these guys are going to move. You know, they, definitely these guys are going to move. And, you know, Madison Bumgarner didn't move. Zach Wheeler didn't move. Uh, you know, Matt Boyd didn't move. Though Detroit's really stupid about that, but that's another point. Either way, the, the starting <laughs> pitching market was just absolutely dry. 
is bone dry. And it, it caused even a team like the Yankees to just, like, hold back and say, holy shit, this is so wild, we're not even going to, like, touch this. They made no moves. It forced the Red Sox, you know, Dave Dombrowski, a notorious trader of prospects, by the way, to say we're going to acquire Andrew Kashner and do nothing else because we're so yeah. scared of this. And it forced the Dodgers, who have, you know, perpetually will have a crap bullpen, to say we're going to acquire Adam Collard and then just, like, hopefully we'll win, you know, the World Series because this is just some crazy shit, which I find really, really interesting. The fact that no, that everyone else simultaneously decided this is so batshit crazy, we don't want to touch this. Yeah, and the thing was, like, well, I mean, everyone knows this, but the price for the guys like Matt Boyd on a Tigers team that won't be competing for five years was, like, they wanted major league ready, a major league-ready player along with, like, two prospects who were ready to go soon. Like, you don't – why? You won't be ready for five years anyway. Just get guys who you can build. Build your horrible farm system. And, I mean, it's, it didn't make any sense to me. It's the stupidest thing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was especially that well you said with the major league talent because it came out that uh, mm-hmm. well, yeah the the Tigers were asking for Gleyber Torres and then obviously the Yankees laughed him out they said okay just any major league ready talent uh, and then of course the Mets came knocking in the door when we wanted Syndergaard and they said we'll take Byron Buxton and then I assume that Thad Levine hung that phone up you know as fast as humanly possible but it's like it, from I, it just doesn't make sense fundamentally for these sellers to be asking for major league talent because no team in a playoff race is going to give up part of the solution that has worked for them so far. It just fundamentally doesn't make sense to do that. And I can't wrap my mind around why the sellers would do that uh, with the only reason that they're asking for that because they know they're not going to trade them. Which then you're like, but why aren't you going to trade them? You, what's the point of keeping them? So it's just like this giant yeah. you know, fuster cluck of like nothing makes sense. And I just I, I can't get it for any reason whatsoever. Yeah, the, the Tigers don't even have a winning percentage of, like, 300 now. They're at 299, which is the worst in the MLB behind the Marlins. Holy shit, is that bad? bad oh, it's awful. They're 1-9 or something in their last 10. They can't win, and they're going for Glaber Torres, as if by the time he's at free agency, the Tigers will actually be competitive. It doesn't make sense. And it's like, the Yankees aren't going to give up Torres to get a starter. It just cancel out what you got, really. Like, with the Indians trade, it kind of made sense because both teams – could be competitive this year. The Reds, who knows, I guess. But the Tigers, they're just awful. And there's, you know, giving up even Luis Arise from the Twins just for someone that doesn't make sense because he's contributing to our playoff push. And what's he going to do for the Tigers? Push them to 40 wins this season? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and then by the time, like you said, they're a good team, you're looking at a arbitration, almost post-arbitration player. Yeah. Now you got to pay him. Like, what? What? Right, like you get a two-year window with Torres and then free agency right away, and you got to rebuild again. Yeah, I I can't wrap my mind around that for the life of me. So I, I I'm interested to see like what theories are going to come out about why the sellers were so annoying, and why you know and if these if this is true, then it's hard to blame the buyers for balking at this, just being like, you guys are crazy. What the hell? Are you what what's even happening here? So that was that, and that that plays in a part too. Uh, what I want to talk about, because I felt I, w- I was okay. I was very okay with Dyson and Romo. Uh, I liked those moves. It just, for the Twins specifically, I was really hoping for more. Because it felt like the perfect opportunity to, like, step on the gas. And, you know, just kind of like, okay, we're ahead in this division. We have a historic offense. And we have a chance to really, like, not only solidify ourselves as, you know, division contenders, 
uh, hell, World Series contenders. You know, that in itself is a it's sort of like a whatever phrase, nonsense phrase, because the playoffs are a shit show. But at least give themselves a better chance and kind of say, like, with the pieces we have now, we'll go do that. But they didn't really do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've gone to this guy for, I think, past two weeks now, and I'll do it for one last week. But Marcus Stroman, I don't think you can – I don't like the idea that the Twins – couldn't have acquired him or they didn't get a call back or whatever. It's like you have the guys, and, I mean, you could have done much better than what the Mets did. I think it was two guys outside of the top five. No, it was two guys who would compare mm-hmm. to, like, either uh, for the Twins, Enlo, Duran, or Thorpe, basically. Yeah, yeah. And the Twins could have matched that offer and definitely made it better. And, I mean, Stroman would be – he'd slot in, right, as our number two in the playoffs, I think. People have been mm-hmm. – I mean, obviously, he's Rios, Stroman, then either – Probably Pineda or Odorizzi, the playoff rotation, head-to-head with, I mean, of course, Verlander, Grinky, and Cole. You don't have the greatest chance, but right now with the Rios, uh, Odorizzi, and Pineda, it doesn't look nearly as good as it would with a guy like Marcus Stroman, obviously. That's just, I think, if there's one trade that really got to me, it's got to be the Marcus Stroman one. And it's just as much the Mets' fault as it is anyone else. Like, I mean, not the Mets, the Blue Jays. Like, you traded two and a half days or something before the deadline even came. What do you, oh, I don't get it. And didn't even try to contact the Twins. That one gets to me. Yeah, you brought that up last week, and I was sort of like, eh, I think you might be overreacting. But now that it's kind of played out, I think I'm with you on that one. That trade specifically, I think, really, really screwed over the Twins. Because they were interested in Stroman, as they damn well should have been. And from what it sounds like, putting the bits and pieces together when the Twins came asking for it, the Blue Jays were asking for either Royce Lewis or Alex Kirilov. And understandably, the Twins said, hell no, as they as they should. That's what they should have done. I'm not giving up either of those guys for Stroman. But theoretically, then you'd move down to, like, okay, maybe we can interest you in Trevor Larnick, Rustar Gratterall, maybe Johan Duran. But it sounds like the Blue Jays didn't just never call back, never wanted to make more of a, a deal, and then just went with the weird Mets deal where they got two guys that, I mean, if, I, if we're going to be brutally honest, aren't that great of prospects? Well, they're, they're good prospects, not what they could have gotten from Stroman, especially if they held on to him and then sold him high during the deadline. So that's the, that is another one of those deals where I just, for life, me can't wrap my mind around why it happened, what the reasoning for that was for the seller. I just, I just can't. And the Twins were left like, okay, so shit, we got to shoot for the Stars for Syndergaard. Oh, no, they want Buxton. Crap. We got to... Be a little bit interested in Robbie Ray, but they were asking for, you know, the light force of the Yankees, so crap. Uh, they talked a little about Zach Wheeler. I don't think any, you know, rumors about that deal came out about specific names. But they were then left in this situation where it's like we're going to acquire – either have to give up the moon for a starter or acquire a starter who's not much of an upgrade. And that's kind of where they found themselves. Yeah, that that's fair. And, yeah, with Stroman, it's like um, – if I mean, is it – did they not find out about the deal until it was, like, official or something? Is there no way they could have figured out that the Mets were about to make a deal? Like, you'd think that crossover and they'd be able to give the Blue Jays a call. When they hear uh, the Blue Jays didn't call back, it's like, well, then you call the Blue Jays back. I don't – I mean, if you really want Strowman and you've got the prospects much better than what the Mets offer – I'm just going to keep going on this Strowman rant because I can't yeah. get over it. No, no, go, go ahead, rant. by all means. By all means. Yes, it's just, yeah, you call the you call the Blue Jays back at that point because you've got the prospects to do much better than what the Mets did. I'm willing to give up. You know, they didn't give up anyone that was uh, better than our top 
five. We could have gotten five to 12. All those guys are pretty much better than what the Blue Jays got. We could have offered two of those guys and easily, I mean, I don't know, easy, not easily, but I mean, we could have got Stoman. I mean, it's simple as that. And then a rotation of Brios, Stoman, and then Gibson, Canada, or Rizzi is really good because you've got two guys in Barrios and Stroman who are just Barrios is a Cy Young candidate at this point. There's no getting around that. I don't think he's outstanding this year. Stroman, I mean he's people are some people are saying he's not even like a one or two, but that's just not true. He slots in as most teams maybe a one and this team a two and that's just he would have been such a good piece for this team and it's too bad that the twins couldn't uh, get together to call back Toronto or whatever happened there because I don't know what went wrong but so, I mean, you call Toronto back at that point. No, nah, I'm very much That's with all you. I, all I'm, all I'm going to say is I don't really fully understand the politics at play regarding this. And all we can then understand is the bits and pieces that come out, which will never be the full story. So just having to put together from what we've heard, either, either we conclude that the Blue Jays just, you know, were just weird and were just like for some reason had uh, – we're just dead set on getting those guys from the Mets and love that deal for whatever reason. Or the Twins, uh, you know, actually had a decent deal for some reason, didn't want to make it and are making up a lie to cover that. That's mm-hmm. kind of where we're left at because I, it, it really can't be anything else in the middle there. Those are, it's either one or the other. And I don't think the Twins would lie for any reason. So now, and then everyone else's reaction to the, the Blue Jays deal kind of leads me to believe they just acted in a really odd and strange way. For some reason, so that's where I'm willing to give them a little bit of slack. But like you said, if if they ever find out about it, if you know, for for like the they can hear within the pipeline again. I don't know how this works, but they're hearing a deal's close. I don't know why you don't call them up and just be like, "Hey, what the hell, guys? Are you are you sure that's what you want? Like, we got yeah. guys that are equal to better. Like, let's be honest." So I I really don't know. And like you said, Stroman would have been perfect on this team not only this year, but next year. So it's really, really just unfortunate. I think it probably went down as a, it was like a group text of four teams, including the Twins, Mets, and Jays. And it was just the Twins were getting really annoyed with all the texts rolling in. They just muted them for a half hour. And in that half hour, the Mets and Blue Jays decided to make a trade. That's my theory. That is, man, that's 100%. Or what happened was, because that, that happened during a game, uh, that was when the Twins were blowing off oh, the White Sox on Sunday. I think, like, Salvi was just sitting there enjoying the game. And so, like, Salvi yeah. runs over, and he's just like, dude, they just got Stroman. He's like, what? What the hell? Crap. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Ugh. Oh, that sucks. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah, they wrote it on his hand, a call back Toronto, but he was watching the game, and he just totally forgot. Or he just fell asleep, taking a nap. He was just like, dude, they got – Stroman just got dealt. He's like, oh. Shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. This isn't good. Toronto called you back five times. You didn't pick up. Where were you? Yeah. You left it. His phone oh, died. Man. He was just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is tragic. Maybe that's what happens. It's a, it's blaming the Blue Jays. So, let's all, let's, we're blaming the Mets and the Blue Jays for this, and I'm perfectly okay with this. Because it's very fun yeah, having them back. Although, you did you, did yeah. you hear what uh, the Blue Jays GM, where Ross Atkins, came out and said, and he's like, uh, they asked him how the trade deadline went, and he's like, we traded 14 years of team control for 42 years of team control. And I'm like, dude, who is asking you questions? Why would you ever say that? That is the worst thing to ever say. Holy shit. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that is that is really bad. 
Ignore the quality of those years of team control. We got a lot of years nope. of team control. We <laughs> got players. Doesn't matter who they are. Oh yeah, oh, that's no. how the Tigers ended up where they are. <laughs> oh no, yeah, pretty much. So uh, I guess uh, next thing with the trade deadline, the big thing that well, was announced uh, in the grace period of like those twenty minutes or so, the Astros shocked the world and acquired Zach Grinky from uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, which. I mean, I don't think anyone is ready for this. And now you're looking at you're looking at a super team. Let's let's be honest. At least this year. Now going forward, it's a bit more questionable whether they can resign Cole. But this year, I mean, a one, two, three of Verlander, Cole, and Grinky. Uh, I mean, forget about it. Like that is that is the team to beat. They were before. They're most certainly now. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, it was like at the deadline when this happened. Of course, I was refreshing constantly and going through every Twitter account I knew just because I wanted to finish up what I was writing, get all the deals I could in. It was like, oh, nice, we got Sam Dyson. I was really happy for a minute. And then this <laughs> one rolled in and everything kind of just collapsed on me. It was just like, well, we had our run. This team's winning the World Series. But, I mean, after some time, it's like, don't be too – I mean, the Astros, they have an over 20% chance to win it all, which is insanely high in baseball. Oh, yeah. But, again, the – Scherzer, Price, uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Verlander. Uh, Verlander, yeah, Porcello, yeah. Years back. Uh, yeah, yeah, they got on the Tigers, actually, in the AOBS. So, you know, it's yeah. not that happened. Not over yet. Mm-hmm. Happened, or the, uh, I believe it was 2011 Phillies with uh, both the Roys, Halliday, Oswalt, Cliff Lee, and Cole Hamels. And they lost in the first mm-hmm. series to well, what was the Cardinals. can't remember, but sometimes that happens just because uh, the randomness. The randomness of baseball occurs, but, I mean, I'd be looking at it right now. That is a terrifying team. And not to be forgotten, the acquisition of Aaron Sanchez, the owner of great stuff, and there's nothing more frightening than an underperforming starting pitcher going to the Astros. And what happens? Oh, we go six innings with no-hit baseball because it's the Houston Astros. So even more terrifying. Yeah. It's literally like what the Twins did with Martin Perez, except upgraded because he's on the Astros. And they're a little bit better at this. It's uh, dumb. It's a stupid team. I hate them. Imagine like actually being at the front of the, like the front of every other team as far as player development. Like, what? Come on. Yeah. Really? You guys the Twins are definitely like getting there. But they were behind for so. I I think so. But I, yeah. they were behind for so many years in the Terry Ryan era. So, but Falvey and Levine, no. I think they're good. Huh? They're yeah. They're getting there, but. Uh, uh, and, you know, we'll never know, like, what the level is like right now, but as far as, like, what it sounds like, the difference between the Houston Astros and literally all of baseball is kind of ridiculous at this moment, so. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying the Twins are going to, you know, I'm not saying they're, you know, close to the Astros. I'm just saying they're oh, yeah. probably getting close to the top five, at least, for that, but it goes Astros, then a, you know, gap that's, you know, year-long, and then the rest of the team. <laughs> Yeah, and then everyone, it's like from, from Moneyball. There's rich teams, there's poor teams, so there's 50 feet of crap. It's like that for reverse <laughs> the Astros and player development. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, other thing at the deadline, you did mention this, but we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Uh, the Cleveland Indians, uh, mm. after months and months of talking about trading Trevor Bauer and months and months of people saying it's never going to happen, finally dealt him to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, in return, it was a three-team trade, so the Padres are also involved. In return, they got uh, Fran Mill Reyes, they got Yasiel Puig, they got Logan Allen, and I believe they got another prospect in there somewhere. I don't have the full trade ahead of me. This is all off memory, but I think that was it. 
I think. Oh, two more. Oh, even better. Lovely. Yeah. But yeah. The main, and, the main uh, parts here are Puig and Franmil Reyes. And would you like to talk about that? Yeah, so <laughs> and first, Logan Allen, uh, number, he's ranked number 98 on the top 100 prospects. Somehow the Cleveland Indians were able to pull him in, along with Franmil Reyes, who's got near 30 home runs this year. And the scary thing about him, he's got five years left of control. This isn't just like a rental like it is with Puig. Franmil Reyes is going to be playing against the Twins for the next five years, and he's he's really good. I'd compare him to Eddie Rosario, I guess, if you were going to compare him to someone on the Twins. And he's against us for five more years, so that's that's disappointing. And I do have I put I was wondering if they got better on here, and I'll pull up some stats on that actually in a minute if you're ready for that. Oh, hit me up the stats while you're pulling up the stats. I can talk a little off, like in my opinion. So I uh, mean, this was a shocking. This was a pretty shocking deal. All right, I'll sorry for interrupting you, but I'm gonna put you on hold for a little bit. I was I mean I was shocked when it happened, uh, and then the return I was like, oh no. Because in my, in my opinion, you know, it's a very decisive trade. It's a very interesting trade, trading from a position of strength to strength in a position of weakness. I did think they got better. I think they really strengthened their outfield, which was just terrible. And I don't think Puig, Puig is okay, a little bit overhyped. His numbers were okay, but that was in a very much hitter's ballpark. And, yeah, like I said, Fran Reyes is the tank here where I'm just like, God damn it, they got a good hitter for five years now. So I'm a little bit scared. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, so the stats, I just got them up. So here's how, I mean, Fangraphs has them. On the day this happened, their playoff percentage went up 6%. Winning the division percentage went up 4%. Winning the World Series jumped 1.8%, which is a lot in World Series percentage-wise. And their expected wins went from 93 to 94. So Fangraphs has them definitely getting better. Interesting. Well, there's a lot of components to this trade, and the, the most immediate is then uh, you look at, obviously, the route people got better, but they're starting pitching now. Uh, the reason why they, they were, were debating doing this and the reason why they ended up doing it was they figured that they'd get Kluber back, they're getting Danny Salazar back, they're going to get Carrasco back, hopefully, and that will help meditate the loss of Trevor Bauer. So now the interesting part, and where I think this whole thing is either going to hold up or fall apart, is if that does come to fruition. And the first phase of that already seems like a failure because Danny Salazar came back and was hitting 87 and uh, basically throwing advanced gravity balls against the Astros, which did not go well for him. And he's now back on the IL. So if, 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 the big if, if those guys come back, either all of them or a few of them, and they perform at the level that you can expect they can, then it's a good deal for, uh, for the Indians this year. If they don't, I mean, now you're looking at a starting rotation that's going to be relying on the Zach Plezaks and Adam Plutkos of the world, and those guys do not frighten you whatsoever. Yes, they'll win the games with Mike Clevenger. Yes, they'll win the games with uh, Shane Bieber. But beyond that, I I don't know. Even if their outfield does get better, I, those guys don't scare me yet. So, yeah, was, it's, mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting. Yeah, I was actually going to bring it up as well because – of course, I agree with you. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah, uh, Corey Kluber was – he was awful before he was put on the IL earlier in the year. Um, Carrasco, he's uh, – we'd all love to see him back, of course. I want to see him get back as soon as he can, but he's definitely a huge question mark at this point um, in his career. And then uh, Salazar, yeah, yeah, like you said, he lost six miles per hour I saw on his fastball. 
and he's after one start back on the IL already. So it's either I mean, everything could go well soon in about a month because I think Kluber is starting his rehab in about a week, if I heard that right. But I mean, that's scary if they're all healthy. But if not, it's yeah, it's I mean, with Bauer gone, it's a rotation of two guys right now. Yeah, I think if I were to if I were to like put a TLDR on this, I think they raised their potential but lowered their floor. I I think that's what happened. It's a bigger risk now because it said they really are relying on those guys coming back from well. But if they do, and then with this new offense, that's a good team. That's a damn good team. So that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, like I mean, very easily almost World Series caliber if everything breaks their way. But if everything doesn't break their way, they're almost not even a playoff team at this point with two quality pitchers. I mean, Kluber. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to be pretty good when he comes back. I think the beginning of the year was pretty fluky, and he's an elite starting pitcher. So you can expect him to most likely be good. Then Carrasco and Salazar, it's a different different uh, ball game there. Yeah, there's obviously different question marks for all of them, but kind of the overarching thing is if they do come back. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. It's, it'll be very interesting, and it makes these next few weeks and these next, uh, well, I guess now we're down to only like two months or so, Really, really interesting. So, hopefully something to and, think about, I think. Yeah, and the easiest way for the Twins to make us stop thinking about this, well, it's three or four later in the week. How about that? We'll get the Hey, there you go. That's a great solution. <laughs> so, moving on, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Devin Smelter. Should he be in the starting rotation? Should he be in the bullpen? Of course, he had uh, his start today. On Sunday, it was great. He went six innings, did not give up a run, uh, only two hits, one walk. Granted, this was against the, the Royals, but six innings of shutout ball, six innings of shutout ball. And at this point now, his MLB ERA is sitting at 2.28. So this is, uh, I mean, he's kind of getting to the point where you're like, you can't really send him down with the way he's performing right now. It, it, I mean, can you? Uh, yeah, you're right on that. Uh, and I think he'll make one more start in Cleveland. But to me, I see some other things. He's got a 204 opponent batting average, but his expected batting average against is 277. He's got a FIP of, of course, this is all small sample size, is 27.2 innings, but a FIP of 520 and an ex-FIP of 456, with a BABIP of 228, a hard hit percentage of uh, 49%, league average is 45. So there are some signs pointing to regression, but of course there is because he's been borderline elite so far, but definitely some things to keep your eye on. I think he will make one more start, and then we'll have to see from there, depending on how that one goes. Yeah, it's a, well, you kind of—I was going to mention these also, but you brought him up. Uh, oh. I was going to say, uh, why? No, good job, good job. We're on the same page here. <laughs> uh, I think the the answer to this is a little bit nuanced. You say yes because, uh, well, I mean, he's doing well. But also, no, because I, he is about to hit a wave of regression uh, beyond what you just said. And also, those uh, FIP and XFIP numbers aren't quite updated for what he did today. So, FIP got a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, his XFIP, I think, got a touch worse. But uh, after today, they're the same number, which is impressive. So, his home run rate is uh, perfectly average. The BABIP is frightening. Uh, what's really frightening to me is his left on base percentage right now is 100%, which yeah. <laughs> is wholly unsustainable. Average left on base percentage is about 75. Sometimes you'll see fluctuation between 5%, uh, both uh, above and below. 100 is, like, cartoonishly high. Like, 
this is just ridiculous. All of his runs allowed so far have been home runs, five home runs he's given up. So, I, you know, the, uh, the ability to strain runners is not like – that's not an ability. That's not a thing. That is purely luck. And he is getting very, 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 uh, you know, very times 100 lucky regarding that. So uh, you most definitely will not be continuing that. At some point, the, the dam will break. And his ERA will no longer be what it is right now. But for the time being, I mean, I don't think you have much of a choice other than to play him, start him. Yeah, because the regression hasn't hit. So I mean, you can't just pull him right now and say, "Well, you're not going to be good your next time out because of these numbers." You got to roll him out there one more time. I mean, if it all goes well and everything seems all right, well, I guess with Pineda coming back, that'll make it a really tough choice. But you want a hard choice rather than a tough choice after this Cleveland series for sure. Suppose so, yeah. We let's let's push off that regression one more game. We need to do so. See if we can defy the odds. Uh, <laughs> so I think mm, he'll he'll be. I think the it'll be interesting. Less so Pineda because when Pineda gets back, I think he's most definitely guaranteed a spot. The way he's performed recently yeah. has been. I mean, he's been damn good. Right now, you know, I I called it Michael Pineda propaganda last week. I buy into it. I think he's the second best starter right now. Struggles of Odorizzi. Uh, I think the more interesting question is, should he replace Martin Perez and then bump Perez to the bullpen? That might be an interesting question because Perez has not been good since uh, – I, I pulled it up because I was prepared for talking about this specifically. Perez, since June started, has an area of 5.53 and a FIP of 5.17. And that mm. – you do not need me to tell you those are not good numbers. And uh, I, I think he is the candidate more so because – uh, it seems like the early season, uh, you know, the, the, whatever he found, the velocity, the cutter, and all that, seems like all that has now gone away. And he still has a little bit of velocity gain, still has the cutter, but for whatever reason, it's not working right now, and it hasn't been working for a while. And so it seems like regular season, on a merit-based, you know, type of system, I think you have to kind of consider using Smelter instead of him this point yeah with Perez uh, he just as you said the regression has certainly come he as was Johan talking Johan Santana on the broadcast saying he just couldn't command that inside well he was saying he has to command the inside part of the plate with the cutter and recently if you've watched his starts the cutters are all either inside or cutting the middle of the plate like he doesn't get them where it used to at the beginning where it was just hitting the corner or the batters would be swinging it's scouting reports in on him now and I mean, it's not pretty, to be honest, when he's out there. So, yeah, and I was going to mention, oh, right, I have to say something. A couple we- a few weeks ago, I said to you, I think I would take Michael Pineda over Jake Odorizzi. And you laughed at that, but now look at us now. <laughs> okay, that was pre-regression, Jake Odorizzi. Do not, hey, that was not I my predicted fault. It. I predicted that. <laughs> that was not a prediction. That was at the moment. It was spur of the moment. It was two very different things. I will not allow you to have I don't know. I totally had that. Now, pure research and thoughtfulness went into that saying that I said. What? Whatever makes you sleep at night, you know. All right. Yeah, all right. Well, and now everyone we'll on Twitter is going, hey, look at <laughs> They're all going, look at Pineda being the number two pitcher, and I'm just sitting back here going, I said this weeks ago, I knew this. Look at this. No right, one, Matt that. didn't believe me. All right, catch <laughs> that receipt, whatever. I'm just going to ignore you. But <laughs> I will say this. I'm going to make a, I'm make a Matt big baller prediction. Michael Pineda – some point this year, I guess some point at the end of the year, sometime in October, Michael Pineda will win a playoff game. I'm going to say this. Ooh. 
I am calling this hard prediction. He will win a playoff game. He will probably go six innings, give up between zero to three runs, and get the win. This is a Matt prediction right now. Yeah, so he's going to win Cy Young and win a playoff game. That's pretty good. That's a good resume going into next year. Cy Young, yeah. Forget <laughs> Justin Verlander. Forget Garrett Cole. They Both of them are terrible. Michael Pineda, now that's the guy. That's, that's the guy. guy. So. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good prediction, though, on your part, playoff game. I mean, right now is he's in the top three for sure, probably the top two for a playoff rotation. I mean, yeah. I don't even know if I'd it'd be Odorizzi and Gibson fighting for that three spot, I think. Probably I'd give it. Gibson right now, honestly, unless Odorizzi bounces back. But, yeah, Pineda, after Brios wins game one against Verlander, and then <laughs> Pineda takes on Cole and wins game two, it'll all be great. Yeah, yeah, no. Now, this is most definitely putting the cart before the horse. Let's wait until this happens, but <laughs> got to make some big baller predictions at some point. So, moving on, we're talking about injury news. There was a lot of it, uh, unfortunately, in a bad way. Byron Buxton cannot stop running into walls, and he will be out with a shoulder, what was that called? It was a very long name to it, um, short of it. I, yeah. I, mean, I just heard he got dislocated eventually, like that was what the simple yeah. version of it, basically. <laughs> yeah, the, the short of it was dislocation, the long of it was like this long medical term that they use now, but it was it was not good. And, and uh, Shoulder subluxation. Subluxation, yes, perfect. I definitely knew that. <laughs> so... The, I mean, you don't need us to tell you this, this is a very different team with and without Buxton. And now they're they're talking about uh, the way it's been described, basically, like, we'll wait a few weeks and then uh, see where he's at from there, which is not good in the slightest. That is very, very bad. Yeah, and uh, from Nick Nelson, a, another member of Twins Daily, he tweeted out a little bit ago, um, Royals shortstop at Alberto Mondesi actually suffered the same injury. Just a few, uh, nearly three weeks ago, same injury as Buxnez, shoulders, subluxation, and his return is still, it's nowhere in sight still after three weeks. So that's not a good sign at all. Perfect. Lovely. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, very much fun. It's, this is really going to be now, uh, now with this injury coming up, not only this week, but throughout the entire month of August, sort of just like, all right. This is going to test the team. It's the long short of it. You know, Kepler will move over to center where he's above average at. And now we're looking at Marwin and Cave splitting right, and that will be what makes this interesting more than anything. Yeah, Marwin, Cave, Arise, Estadio, whoever they need out there is going to be playing left and right. And we, we all know the record of when Barrios isn't playing. After today's win, I think it's a – 11 and 17 when Byron Buxton is not in the starting lineup or he's just, you know, not in the game. And that accounts for a total of, I guess, quick math, 38 games. Yes. Uh, nope. That is, oh, God, 28 oh, yeah. games. Oh, jeez. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> Which is a long period of time to go with the, as uh, also these probably next three weeks and maybe more that Byron Buxton has not played. With his mm-hmm. health, are you, I mean, it's a huge concern, obviously, and people are really worried about that for, about that for his ongoing future with the Twins. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, you know, with his play style and the way he plays and just, like, how aggressive he is, you're like, I, I don't think you're ever going to get him not to play like this just because, I mean, that's just who he is. He's going to give 110% every play. Mm-hmm. You have to respect that. But I think at some point you got to, like, I don't know, bring in, like, Ken Griffey Jr. or bring in Torrey Hunter 
you know, a guy who's done this and been through it and kind of sit him down and just be like, dude, while it would be nice for you to make this out and, like, save us that run or, hell, even save us that game in the situation, it is far, far more important to keep you healthy for an extended period of time because of how, you know, because how reliant this team is on you. And while maybe, you know, if you hold up and don't make that extraordinary catch going to the wall, might, that might cost you this game, it'll most definitely save you a few games down the road by you being here. And, you know, I mean, Ken Griffey especially is the, you know, he's the guy that really embodies this where he's like, he, he was doing this entire career and it cost him, you know, he wasn't eventually a Hall of Fame. It cost him potentially being one of the best players of all time. And a bit higher than where Buxton's at, you know. I'm high on him, not quite that high on him. But at the same time, it's the same idea where you're just like, he is you're just fundamentally just way more valuable when he's healthy and on the team. So, Right, yeah, because, I mean, he makes all three outfield positions better, makes the pitcher better, and when he's out, the fielding just drops to a whole, whole, drops yeah. to a whole new level, which is not what you want ever. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, he's going to keep doing that. I think it's going to take himself to try to teach him, to teach himself how to slow down, how to uh, conserve, oh, geez, not hit the wall so hard. I mean, he's a big word, but I couldn't find one. How to not hit the wall so hard. And then just say, um, you know, it's going to take experience. I don't know if he can really, you can really teach that unless, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they've tried. I'm, they have to have been out after all these injuries, but it's just going to take himself an experience out there. Yeah, definitely. So there's that. It's really just really unfortunate. And I love watching him play, so it really hurts. Uh, the next mm-hmm. injury is that today, this one came out of the blue, uh, Sam Dyson to the I.O. with uh, biceps tendonitis. So, I mean, pretty much the worst way you can start being on a new team, you know, give up three <laughs> runs and back-to-back outings, and I'll be on the I.L. immediately afterwards. So what it sounds like so far from the bits and pieces we've heard uh, from the front office is that it's more of a, like, a, sometimes pitchers just go through this type of deal, and it wasn't like we got damaged goods or, you know, we're, you know, he, like, tore his uh, UCL. It was more just like, mm, he's just kind of going through a thing. It's hard to describe. Pitchers are weird. So it doesn't sound entirely too serious, but, of course, it just sucks when you get a guy, expect him to be great, and now this has happened, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. He was definitely hyped up as, like, the big acquisition for the Twins. And, I mean, of course, Sergio almost even does a second piece, and he's thrown four outstanding innings with the most emotion I've ever seen out of anyone. I, he's now my favorite player of all time because of it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, with uh, Sam, the same Dyson, you know, you pick him up, he comes in, can't get him out. You say, all right, it was a plane ride. He comes in the next day again. Probably shouldn't have come in anyway. Gives up three runs or whatever. But he did get two outs. Don't overlook that. He finally has okay. two outs over the uh, – yeah, he's got – he's recorded. No, I'm just kidding. He's recorded two whole outs as a Minnesota Twin. But Oof. then the next day you find out he's on the – injured list and you know you kind of it just you know for most fans anyway you kind of go well what are we doing here what happened why didn't we know about this injury and of course it just kind of popped up but that's what most a lot of people have been saying like should we have known he was dealing with this before and is this something that we need to be concerned about will he be back to his form and just the stats I brought up earlier there's kind of a lot to be concerned about at times with him in my opinion I mean, I mean, certainly, but I just come back to what I said, really, only time will tell. It's just been too soon, only two outings, you know, sometimes even Taylor Rogers said bad outings. So 
it happens. It just doesn't help that the this injury has compounded on top of that. So really, really hoping he can come back healthy, really needing him to come back healthy, because that's actually a very good back end of the bullpen with him in there and healthy. Yeah, a, a big three of him, Romo, and uh, Dyson. Seen as, I mean, I, of course, it's like a three-headed monster out there. When if Dyson's going at his best, but right now with the way Romo's going as well, like him and Rogers are at least back end of the last two innings. It's I mean, unstoppable it seems with those guys because Romo in his four outings has just been lights out. Like he's, I think he threw six pitches today, six strikes, got three outs, and walked out the mound screaming and shouting and pumping everyone up. And oh, I love Sergio Romo. He's my favorite player. <laughs> yeah, we should have put this in also. I think both of us are now, like, massive Sergio Romo fans. Like, good Lord, that dude. Yes. <laughs> Oof, man, he's oh. so much. Yeah, when when I see him coming off the mound, I'm like, man, I need to, like, go run a lap or something. This guy is on fire. <laughs> so Yeah, and, it's, oh, it, I mean, it gets the whole team going when someone does that. It, I just, mm-hmm. I, I always love the guys with the energy. It's kind of my thing, I guess. And then yeah. I just love seeing a Casey Fiend yell in 2013 when he'd record an out down 7-2. Those are my guys. Okay, well, there's, there's absolutely no need to bring up Casey Fiend in this time and place right now. You did not have to. Hey, he, was, he was pretty good <laughs> for a little bit. Like, you know what's funny? I looked up his stats. He was actually a bit better than uh, I thought he was at the time. So I'm sorry, Casey Fiend. I did not give you your full credit. You were actually okay when I thought you bring, were terrible. Bring him back. Yeah, bring, bring back Casey Fiend. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what he's up to. I'm sure he's having fun. He's having fun right now. He's doing fine. So uh, next injury, injury bit of news. Uh, we had Michael Pineda put on the aisle. Uh, what was what was it this year again? Actually, I for some reason the top of my head is not. Like um, right uh, was it Dice? No, that was Dyson. Did they even tell us? Dyson was the biceps. Okay, I got yeah. the baseball reference open. Let's see. Uh, right triceps. Triceps, not biceps. Okay. <laughs> that was it. I was like, they were very similar things. That my brain was just not working at the time. Yeah, right triceps injury. Yeah. Again, it feel, this kind of feels like just uh, controlling his innings uh, because he is coming off Tommy John surgery. So they've been very conservative regarding his innings limit. This kind of feels like an extension of that. So it doesn't sound like he'll miss any time just – well, beyond what he's going to miss. So he should be back in rotation um, when the 10 days are over. So I don't think there's too much to worry about here. Yeah, and I think they did actually have to pull him out of his um, game early last time when they were playing, at, was it the Miami Marlins? I think they did pull him yeah, out early. The Marlins. And I, I heard Rock say that was related to injury a little, so there is something there. I, and they said it's not con- too concerning, obviously, but it is, I guess, a slightly real injury. I have it up now. He threw uh, eight, only 80 pitches, and he went six innings, giving up just one run. So he could have definitely continued the game the Twins ended up blowing, but it was related to the injury, I guess, that he was pulled. So there's some interesting info. I will say also what played in that, though, is they were in the, the dumb National League where this pitcher's hitting for some reason. Because oh, right. Years in the past. Mm-hmm. And his, I know they took him, yeah. they pinch hit for him, so that. At the time, I think that was my reasoning. It was like, oh, there's pinch hitting because mm-hmm. pitcher, you don't want pitcher sitting. So, mm, I don't know. They, obviously, if they're saying it, then it's probably true. But that's why I thought that specifically was the reason. I need yeah, to think about that. Maybe they just, yeah, just, you know, backing up, uh, just backing up the fake injury by saying that's what they pulled him for. I think that was a conspiracy. <laughs> Dude, that's like, 
Man, I didn't realize they were thinking this far ahead. That's some wild shit. <laughs> yep. They're thinking weeks ahead right now. They've already taken two out of four from the Indians in there. Remember. <laughs> they've already done it. Yeah, they've already set up their postseason rotation. They know it. They know it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. next, well, well, you know, we've talked about some unfortunate injury news. Let's let's get some good injury news. CJ Crone is back. He's back in the lineup. Very good. His thumb sound. It sounds like his thumb is back. And his first game back, well, he hit a massive home run and also got two other singles. So I don't think he had too good of a day today, but uh, Saturday was good. Uh, good to see. He's a, a nice bat when he's healthy, and he's definitely a useful part of this lineup. So very good to see him back. Hopefully he stays healthy. I mean, yeah, not much to dig into there. Crone's back. He can hit the ball hard. Not much to argue against there. He- He's good at first base, better than having Ari Adrianza there for sure. I mean, as much yeah, as, I, yeah. he's not horrible, but Crone is, you know, he's a first baseman. Adrianza's not, so. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I figured it was not going to be too controversial to say I'm glad CJ Crone is back. I didn't think that would. Yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> exactly. much. So, good thing with Crone back. Uh, moving on, the fan questions. We opened this up, and while well, this only ended up being fan question, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> kind of sad. I'm very, very disappointed, y'all. Maybe we need to tweet this at a better time. I'm going to blame this on Tom for uh, not yeah. tweeting this on the official Twin Theta <laughs> account. It's entirely his fault. I know he listens to this, so you better be embarrassed right now, Tom. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I love you. So, a uh, question from Carl, Prime Kirloff. Uh, he said, do you think – well, there's two questions, by the way, so we'll get the first one. Do you think Gratterall has a chance to slide into the bullpen in September? So, Bruce Star Gratterall – been making some rehab starts in the GCL. Uh, hopefully, we'll join Pensacola soon. Haven't heard any news regarding that yet, but definitely slated, or at least in a situation where if the Twins wanted to, they could call him to the bullpen, or you know, use him in some fashion. And I, I mean, I honestly think there's a very, very good chance the way this bullpen set up, and the way that the last two or three guys or so are kind of interchangeable, that we do see uh, Bruce Stargardt in the bullpen at some point in September throwing 101, 102, whatever he throws. Uh, I think it's a very real possibility. I think it, I think it happens, actually, straight up. I'd put better chance of it happening than not. Oh, I put it at about 50-50 either way. I don't know if the Twins are willing to risk his – I mean, they might shut him down early this year, even with all the injuries. He's suffered a couple injuries already this year with his uh, shoulder, I think it is. And that mm-hmm. once he's, like, 20 years old, I mean, around there, and – I think yeah. do you really want to risk just pulling him up for this September, see what he can do. We have no idea if he'll – I mean, he's probably going to be pretty effective. We don't know that. But the major leagues, he's in double-A right now. I don't know if they call him up immediately in this year. But, I'd, I mean, next year for sure, no doubt. But this year I think it's a toss-up, and I would actually bet against it. Really interesting. I see it. I see that there's, there's certainly risk. Uh, and you're kind of weighing the risks, like uh, the the upside to the downside. The upside is obviously you have a 101-mile-an-hour fire-breathing dragon come out of your bullpen, and that can be very, very useful. Hot take. Uh, and the downside, the downside, like you said, he's, he's a young pitcher. Uh, you would like to not mess with his, you know, um, sort of like line going forward, just the way you'd rather pull him up as a full starter. But at the same time, you're, if you think about it, if you're in a situation – where you need him, you kind of have to, you know, throw away the long term to focus on the short term. Which is most certainly not something this front office has done. 
but this is also a situation they're about to head into that they've never been in, where it's like we're in must-win games if we want to take the division. And some decisions are going to have to be made that favor the short term, I think. And I think that's one that will – I think that's one that will happen. So. Yeah, and I, I think it will depend on two major things. I think it will depend on can Sam Dyson be elite, the elite pitcher that we know and can Trevor May be the guy we saw earlier in the year. And if those two are good, we won't see Bruza Gretel. If one of them is ineffective, we we might see Bruza Gretel. And if both are bad, well, then we're definitely seeing Bruza Gretel. That's my take. Well, I could see that. I don't honestly don't know how much those guys affect it just because they're not like they, they don't have minor league options. I see it more as like, is Cody Stashak gonna poop his pants? So far, he hasn't, but you know maybe he does. Is Zach Latell going to go out and drop bombs? I don't know. Will he? I think it's more so those guys than anything that will dictate whether Gratterall comes up or not. Because if they're doing fine, I don't think we see Gratterall. If there's some stumbling. Maybe that button does get hit. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that makes sense too. If it's just like one of the lower leverage guys, but I don't know if they they call Gratterall up just to put him in innings that don't really matter as much. I don't know if that. I mean, if that because that's kind of what Stashak and them are doing. If they're gonna send Stashak down, then I'd say they're calling up someone like. Although they'll have a lot of room, maybe so. Wait, is this the year they go twenty-eight, or is that next year? Well, I actually do not know that off the top of my head. All right, I'm going to say this. If it's 40, we see bruised out. If it's 28, we don't. There's my other okay. take. <laughs> okay, that would make a lot of sense, actually. You should probably definitely check that. Yeah. But, Whoops. yeah, it, it, there's a lot of lot of uh, different things at play here. But, honestly, I think I think they will. So. All right. Just, yeah, I can <laughs> see both sides. I'd have to wait a little longer to see him get in a few more games, definitely. Interesting. Finally disagreed. This is, like, the fourth time ever. So. Oh, God, what do we do? Usually doesn't. We're, we're breaking up, I guess. So, next <laughs> question, a more interesting question. Uh, is 2020 a reasonable expecta- uh, expectation for the debut of Kirilov? Of course, Alex. Kirilov, 2020, I think, is a very, very reasonable uh, debut uh, expectation. I think, you know, and this is going to be another Matt hot take, I think if we see an ineffective Jake Cave all throughout August, I don't think it's entirely out of the question that we see Kirilov this September, potentially. Mm, wow. if, again, they're put, much wow. like Gratterall, if they're, if they're put in a situation where you're like, we need talent, we need performance, because the guys we have right now aren't cutting it, we've got, so we got to dip into our prospects, I don't think it's entirely out of the question to see him up there. I don't know. Wow. Um, I would I bet that. all, like, every. I would bet everything I have that we see him next year, I think it's no doubt, He's, I think at least by September. This mm-hmm. year, I would say, oh, gosh, this year I'd say no. I we're not. See, I don't think so. We're not seeing Kirov this year. I don't know. If Cave struggles, and if Buck, even if Buxton can't return, like, is Kirov the first guy you go to down in the minors? I mean, you got Rooker, I guess you got uh, Lamont Wade if he's doing – I mean, he was called up earlier, and I guess, I don't know if Kirilov's, he's, he's, not, he's not having like an outstanding year in the minors either. It's, I think he's got to finish out this year. I don't think we see him in the majors next year for sure. Well, well, let me say this. Rooker is on the aisle at AAA, and Lamont Wade's on the aisle oh, right. at the Hence why right. I went directly to Kirilov. Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, if, if 
if yes, this is where I'm coming from. And then if, you know, something, if Cave is not hitting, I mean, would you want to, let's look at our other options. You're looking at Alejandro Diaza. You're looking at shoot, Brandon Barnes, who they just traded for. Or do you just hit F it and go for Alex Kirloff? That's, that's the question that may or may not occur. I, I, it, it might happen. Um, I, mean, I think we're a little, little too far yeah, out, but that yeah. I don't think it's out of the picture. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're definitely too early to be saying this right now, I think, but uh, I, I think Gayaza comes up before Kirov right now, and that's probably an unpopular opinion, maybe, but yeah. I, I would bet that's what would happen first. Well, I mean, knowing how conservative they've played it generally as far as that, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me, but I don't know. Again, we're heading kind of heading in a situation they've never been in, so we, it's hard to use like. Pass. Yeah, we have no idea. <laughs> we have no idea when it when you're at a point where you got to win no matter what. Do you play safe with Dazer or do you just hit effort and go with the upside and cure off? That's the question. Hmm. So, kind of where I'm at. Although I'll drop know. before even while you're considering that one because I'm just dropping bombs on you right now. I think <laughs> uh, sooner than later, I think Eddie Rosario will be traded, and I think Kirilov will be the starting left fielder. If not 2020, 2021. Huh. I don't think Rosario's your long term either. I mean, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't think Rosario's your long term. I think he'd be odd man out. He's not a guy that uh, plays. You know, he's not. He doesn't fit in the system. I was kind of. I mean, I was thinking Kirilov would for sure be in the starting lineup to open up 2021. He'd be playing first base once CJ Cohn is gone. And maybe I think if that only that happens. If they don't trade Rosario this off season, but that could happen too. Yeah, I'm just coming from. I know uh, I saw Brandon Warren push this, and yeah. not to my own horn. I pushed this even last off season. Of course, no one remembers that because I was no one that off season. <laughs> However, uh, I did say this. I think I think Rosario is a lot more replaceable than a lot of fans see him as. And you know, obviously yeah. he's got a lot of flashy hits, a lot of clutch home runs. Those do happen. But when you look at his overall numbers, you know, a fairly solid hitter, especially, you know, even considering um, corner outfielders, and those are typically more offensive uh, positions. But the defense has just been so, like, inconsistent, and especially this year, poor. We're looking at, at the end of the day, if you got to be harsh and got to be honest, I think he's merely just an above-average player, not quite the all-star that some people see him as. Yeah, definitely. And um, his OPS over... Mm-hmm. Uh, 2018, well, 2017 was 836. You know, it's all right. Mm-hmm. 2018, 803, not spectacular. Not even. I mean, it's above average. But then in 2019, so far 826, and that's. I mean, that's not as not nearly as great as everyone hypes him up to be. You know, people call him. He's the he's the guy people go to when they think of the Twins right now. Kind of besides like Buxton, I guess. But he was all over the All Star game, like uh, commercials and ads. And, videos and he's being promoted as the Twins guy right now, when he's kind of, I mean, he's, you know, maybe way to the bottom of the top five, really. If, yeah, uh, I don't, it'd be, he's definitely, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I'd have three position players at least better than him. You could potentially yeah. make an argument for even more. That's a different question, but that's where I'm coming, mm-hmm. kind of coming from. It wouldn't entirely shock me if they just traded him and Potentially try to work him in. It's like a, a Syndergaard type deal where someone does want to meet him mm-hmm. in town over the offseason. You say, okay, here's Eddie Rosario because we know we're going to have Alex Kirloff up. 
replace them. Of course, that's contingent on Kirilov being good. That's another thing in itself. But it would not surprise me if that was their play, especially considering how shrewd they've been in some moves. So. Yeah, I also and on a Twins daily comment, which no one will ever see again, I went on a post and someone was complaining about how the Twins never make a big trade, and I said, you know, well, watch out this off season. I'm, I mean, I'm calling this off season there will be at least one major trade involving someone like Rosario for a big name starting pitcher because with Rios and Perez under control, I think they make the trade finally that makes fans buy in, and then it'll, but it'll have to involve someone like Eddie Rosario, like you said. Definitely. Yes, this is this is the like spicy hot take episode. We've just just been dropping some after. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I like it. It is weird. Yeah, I like doing it. this. It's kind of fun. No, this is definitely fun. So moving on to the least hot takey part. Yeah, <laughs> the least hot takey part. The eternal question: Did Martin Perez do his job? Yeah. And the answer is, and quite simply, no. Went five innings, five earned runs against the Kansas City Royals of all teams. Give up three home runs. He was just generally ineffective all over the place. Somehow didn't walk anyone. That's surprising when I look back at his stat line because I could have sworn he did it. But just watching him, I mean, I mean, you know this. Everyone's watching. He's just such a different pitcher than he was in the first few months. It's just guys. It's not even a threat with that inside cutter anymore because he just cannot slice them to hit the inside corner with a fastball or mm-hmm. anything of that matter. And so what's left now is you're kind of just like he's just kind of throwing pitches. It seems like with no like idea of what the what the grand goal of any of this is. He's getting crushed for it. So, yep. he did not. Yeah, definitely. And, well, is that it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, is that he, he did not do right, it. Yeah. That was the end. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, and I'm with you. He, and then he does pitch this uh, the third game of his upcoming Brave series. On Wednesday, I will actually be at that game. I thought I was going to be at that, but the one that Barrios is pitching in, but then I looked again and saw that. I'm going to the Perez against Kevin Gosman, who has an ERA over six game. So obviously it'll end up being a 2-1 victory for someone. <laughs> That's just how baseball works. <laughs> Naturally, yeah. Man, Kevin Gosman's still around. That's actually news to me. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's, okay. I don't know how he's in this Braves rotation. I mean, if the Twins' number five starter is Martin Perez compared to this guy, I think we're doing all right. Hey, that's certainly a good point. I mean, look around uh, at the number five starters. I mean, it's a lot of, like, the high ERA or just, like, triple-A fodder type of guys. So mm-hmm. it's definitely, like, a first-world problem to be complaining about Perez as our number five. But i <laughs> got to do it, I guess. We've got to find something to complain yeah. about. So. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing? We're just being all happy and stuff. Yeah, can't be all happy sometimes. That is explicitly banned. <laughs> so moving on, uh, prospects as always, and minor league system as a whole. Uh, first one, Matt Cantanero. I really hope I pronounced that properly because I heard like eight different pronunciations watching the broadcast. Was promoted <laughs> to Cedar Rapids Colonels, uh, Low A or yeah, Low A. Uh, he was a 2019 uh, draft pick this year, starting pitcher, right-hander. Uh, it was a college arm, so those guys can move fast. I believe he was out of Rice University. I watched it, and, man, that guy's got a lot of funk in his delivery. That is a very odd delivery, but uh, just something to keep track of. I mean, knowing college arms, he could honestly be here as quick as next year uh, if that all goes well. So just something to keep track of. More movement is always fun. Uh, the next thing, Junior Severino was back uh, activated from the IL back at Cedar Rapids. He hadn't played there. 
since April. He had been out with an injury. He's one of the higher prospects. Kind of fell a little bit due to his injury. Uh, of course, they got him. Uh, he was one of the prospects. The Atlanta Braves had to give up when they got uh, caught doing whatever they did. I forgot what it was specifically, but they were doing something suspicious. And in return, they had to drop like 40 international prospects signed. And one of the guys was Junior Severino. The Twins picked him up. Yeah, it was really unfortunate. They had, Maybe you shouldn't, like, take advantage of, you know, like, those kind of kids, maybe. But they did yeah. it. So, so the got Severino. Yeah, no, they got all of it. And I, I believe their director was, of, like, uh, that international prospect or whatever was fired. So, suck to see them. Right. Good, good for us. <laughs> I hate to see it. So, you and your Severino, yeah, track them. He's a you know, high upside guy. So, good to see him back. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, there were a lot of minor league Deals and movements, just in general, like off the time ahead, uh, yesterday I signed Mike Miller, the infielder, sent him AAA, also traded for Brandon Barnes from uh, Cleveland's AAA, sent him a AAA. I find it interesting because I think this is a direct result of there being no waivers uh, in August. Mm-hmm. And so waivers typically was kind of like depth, like if a guy went down, then you'd look to waivers, claim a guy, make a small trade. There typically weren't major trades, like the Justin Verlander trade was definitely uh, unique. Uh, in that. So uh, I, I predicted before the then result was going to be you're going to see a lot of minor league deals or minor league trades. And so far the Twins have very much pounced on that. So they seem very solid with the AAA depth all around uh, in case a guy goes down. Yeah, I mean, they've got – I mean, if their entire infield goes down, their entire outfield, they've got guys down there ready to play. <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know, they've got – You never know. Yeah, I mean – and I bet they could still be the Detroit Tigers. So hey, let's get it. Maybe that that would be interesting. They might be able to, but you just don't want to find yourself in a situation like, uh, let's see, you're in Game Seven of the World Series and Michael Martinez is at bat. Uh, oh wait, that happened um, for the, <laughs> the Cleveland Indians. You never want to find yourself in that situation. So you always got to prepare. So they've been doing that. Yeah. And uh, the next major deal. Or a major not deal, I guess, if you want to consider it that way. Uh, Cody Allen was released uh, from AAA. Uh, of course, we all know Cody Allen. He was a, a very good major league reliever for a while. On the decline, was absolutely terrible for the Angels. Twin signer in a minor league deal recently. Wanted to, you know, get their hands on them, kind of try to make some adjustments. Uh, just was not doing well at AAA. Uh, the numbers weren't great. I watched uh, watched him play a few times. It wasn't good. He wasn't really fooling AAA guys, so he wasn't going to fool major league guys. And I believe it was even at his request because when you're getting passed over multiple times for other guys, I mean, they looked at Cody Stashak and Carlos Torres before calling him up. I, I think it's a very clear sign that they're not interested in uh, calling you at the moment. So, granted his release, and he's no longer with the team. Oh, yeah. it was. Uh, they called up Torres, Stashak, and then they traded for Romo, and then they traded for Dyson. And then he kind of just went up there and went, yeah, just let me go home. And uh, I think that's kind of how it went down because yeah, he wasn't getting a chance. September, I don't think he was even going to get a chance. And I think this wasn't too hard to uh, predict, honestly. It was, he kind of, it was either uh, make or break with him. He was never really going to make a huge impact. And I mean, maybe he'll come back next year on a team and be able to perform, but he's just broken down, definitely. Yeah, at the moment. Maybe he pulls a Blake Parker. We don't know. What now? Although, that's a, a maybe he pulls a Blake Parker, but that's another issue I don't want to get into. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Blake Parker. 
Yeah, he actually gave up a home run today, but he had like three scoreless innings with six strikeouts to the Phillies, and everyone was like, "Are you effing kidding me? What?" Yeah, that was what? as Dyson was going out and giving up three earned runs. Blake <laughs> Parker and uh, Mike Moore was going shutout innings. And then you're like, man, maybe this baseball shit's kind of stupid, actually. Maybe this, <laughs> absolutely none of this makes any sense. But I don't even want to think about that. So moving ahead, uh, we have looking forward on the next week. This will be a fairly important week uh, considering the strength of opponents. Uh, still at home, we're going to have Atlanta in a National League team fun coming uh, to here through games. Uh, that'll be interesting. I'm very frightened of Josh Donaldson because back on the Blue Jays, he would absolutely hammer us at target field, and oh no, he's coming back. So I do, I do not want the bad man anywhere near me. I can call right now at least two home runs. Maybe he'll hit eight, considering <laughs> Donaldson. He, two or eight, yeah. He'll hit eight. I know he will. Oh, by the way, mm. in our uh, fan questions, we did have someone give us a trivia question. So oh. do you want... I will give you that, and I have the answer. Are you ready? Oh, okay, go ahead. Sure, I, I missed this. No, oh, yeah. Um, which team, besides the Twins, is the only team that Max Kepler does not have a hit against? So is that all of MLB in his career, then? Yep. I suppose. Uh, considering the timing of this, I'm going to guess the Braves. I also guessed the Braves immediately because I didn't think we played them. But you are incorrect. It's the San Francisco Giants. Okay, all right. I knew it was some cheeky action we've seen. <laughs> this has been leading off trivia. <laughs> all right, back there to you go, looking man. ahead. There you go. All right, <laughs> I'll need to add a sound effect in that, but they're not paying me enough to add a sound effect, <laughs> so I won't do it. Uh <laughs> All right, move, getting uh, back into the swing of things. Uh, so yeah. Atlanta, they're a very good team. Uh, I don't. Do we have the full pitching matchups for that? Because they don't really have an ambition. Um, I do, yeah. Okay. Um, so the first game will be Mike Soroka, who is ten and two with a two three seven ERA. He is very an elite, very young pitcher for the Braves. He's he's great. Against Jake Odorizzi, former great pitcher for the Twins, now just. Hitting a bit of regression, 12 and 5, 373 ERA. That's going to be tough tomorrow, 710, but well, today the time will be listening. But yeah, so it'll be a tough one for the Twins. Hopefully they can pull out game one. But then if they don't, they've got Tuesday. Game two will be Jose Barrios Day against um, Freed, what's Freed? Max Freed? Max Freed, yeah. Yep, yeah, Max Freed of the Braves. Yeah, and then Avgier, 407 ERA. Rios, possible Cy Young candidate, 280 ERA. And in the third game, Martin Perez, as we got to earlier, going against Kevin Gosman of the Braves, both for having not great years. Gosman's having a much worse year. Perez had a good year to start, but, you know, as we talked about, he's struggling now. So hopefully the Twins can take two out of three here. Get lucky game one, maybe, and then win one of the next two. Who knows? Mm, interesting. Yeah, game one will be a tough one. Soroka's very good. He's a ground ball machine. I believe it's specifically ZRA on the road is also very good. Of course, he's never placed, he's never faced the Twins, so how much like mm-hmm. stock you can put in that, I'll never know. But that'll be a tough one. Freed, I mean, they murder lefties, so I mean, sorry, Freed. And then Gosman has just been horrendous this year, so sorry. So <laughs> second and third games, very good chances of winning that one. First one will be very interesting, so that'll be fun. Uh, after that, fun. after that is probably going to be like the series of the year so far, 
It'll be four at home versus Cleveland. And if I if I do recall, this is the first uh, time Cleveland has been back since the opening series, uh, back in Target Field. Huh. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. And, Matt, everything um, is lying on your shoulders here because you get to write the series preview. And, um, so, you know, whatever you predict here is what will happen. <laughs> so, oh, man, you're no right. There. Man, as long as no we're winning man, two, I'm cool with it, all right? No one man should have all that power, but I do. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the, the Twins Sunday are... Game, at least, so. Okay, well, well, they'll win Sunday then, so that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying uh, the, the Twins are in, definitely in a position where they have more positive outcomes than the Indians do. And what I mean by that is even if they do just split, uh, win two and the Indians win two, mm-hmm. at that point uh, you would have uh, pretty much essentially killed four games where the Indians made up no ground. At that point, at this point in the, the season where we're kind of winding down, that in itself is – not a major win, but it certainly is like a minor victory. We're like, all right, just straight up, those are four games that they can no longer use to essentially come back. And you're just in the same place. It's not ideal, but it's not the worst. So they do that. Of course, anything better is gravy, but the, the bare minimum you got to take too. Right. As long as you don't lose uh, uh, three or more, you're fine here. And, they set it up nicely, so they'll be pitching everyone except Martin Perez in this one. So I guess that's smart there. So, yeah, there we go. Sorry. I mean, sorry, Perez, but blah. Hey, you got to get the best pitchers in here. Bless. guess so. But I think, I mean, we all have the pitching matchups there also, but I guess yeah. whoever goes to Cleveland on uh, the day before won't see us. Assume that means they'll see Bieber and Clevenger, which will be frightening, but they'll also hopefully see someone else. That's less frightening. <laughs> Oh, we will not see Clevenger because he pitches the day before we meet up there. So that's nice. Oh, bless. Oh, thank God. Yes. Oh, that guy. Oh, I hate that, that guy nice. so much. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> I hate that guy. Thank God. He is really good, yeah. So that means we will see be seeing Shane Bieber. There you go. Okay. Yeah, well, guys, already, only I, one of them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've already, like, accepted at least one of Bieber and Clevenger, so the fact that it's only one, <laughs> that helps. That works. Definitely, that's a, that's a huge relief. Hell, that is. Maybe they, maybe they don't push him back and just be like, uh, "This game is more important." I hope they don't. But maybe yeah, they, they just do. throw some like reliever. <laughs> yeah, like we're gonna oh, do no, a bullpen bullpen day. <laughs> we're gonna do a bullpen day on Wednesday. No reason. Why would you ask that? Uh, <laughs> totally wouldn't. Do it wouldn't that. be too surprising, honestly. I mean, could happen. Be. At this point, yeah, you're kind of looking at when well, you got to maximize your output against a specific team, so. Wouldn't put it past mm-hmm. Terry Francona. He's a fly bastard. So we've reached, I believe we reached the end. We're at the, the point where we just self-promote ourselves, as that's what we do. This is our podcast. We make the rules. So I will, of course, I'll, I will be previewing this Cleveland series. That will be a fun one. Uh, and I hope Cleveland has any good artists. I believe, uh, I'd probably do the Black Keys. I've been doing consistently, <laughs> like, have a, like, a music artist. Yeah. I listen to and like inspire my title regarding them. Kansas City had absolutely no one. They had Charlie Parker, and that was basically it. So screw Kansas City. Cleveland is hopefully better. Uh, and then Saturday, of course, be doing minor league report. So always be doing that. And Friday, I will have. Uh, I'm actually doing another article. I'll be writing that one. This one will be about. I'll spoil it now because I think it'll be very fun. This one is going to be about uh, sort of looking at the other World Series teams in the past. And sort of when they have 
gone for it, you know, quote unquote gone for mm. it. And, you know, kind of comparing that to a lot of talking, and I mentioned it was sort of like, you know, the Twins did not go for it. You know, this is they were. I mean, let's be honest, they didn't do as much as they they definitely could have if they wanted to ensure the best chances to win a World Series this year. I don't think that's much of a hot take. But then I kind of want to compare that to history and be like, okay, what did the Astros do? What did the Cubs do? You know, what did uh, the Red Sox do? Sort of compare that to, uh, you know, what the Twins do. And, you know, maybe the future is at some point. At what point did they reach a point where they say, you know, this is the maximum peak, the best chance we're ever going to have at ever doing this damn thing? Are, we're right in the middle of our contention window. We're not at the front or at the end. This is where we're going to do it. And so we're writing one hell of an article and posting that on Friday. So be looking forward to that. Thanks. And, yeah, for me, um, every Sunday I'll have the uh, game recap up, so go look at that one I did today. It's always slightly entertaining. And then on mm-hmm. Wednesday I think I'm going to talk about the impact we've seen, like before the off season or during the off season, all we heard was uh, Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano. We'll get to see if their impact uh, proved, if it means anything to the Twins, if it makes them better. And you kind of had a say in that on Twitter with a resounding yes on one of <laughs> someone else's comment. Yeah, that's pretty good. Have they I proven that, that they are a key part of the Twins' future? I was going to say, did you make the decision before or after that tweet? Because, again, I want to take Royal Peak did, yeah. after. No, I, I did. No, I saw that. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, he's just going to agree with me on everything ever. So that's pretty good. You've done it, You've done it again. I can't believe it. <laughs> ah. Yeah, no, that was – Yeah, so that's that fine. Was, I, saw, I, I, I mean, I had a concept there, and that kind of – I guess it kind of rounded it out. I was going to write about how they're both, you know, I, well, pretty much that. But then I saw that, and I was like, yeah, it's going to be a good article. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, I saw across my, my feed was, uh, you know, the <laughs> question going in was whether Books and Snow could, you know, whether they're the building bucks future. And he's like, I don't think the answer is yes. And I'm like, what the hell? What do you mean by yeah. that? They're both performing oh, at elite man. levels. <laughs> like, what the? What? Am I taking crazy pills? Are you not gonna? Are you gonna say oh, no man. to like p- four plus win players at their twenty five and twenty six age season? Am I going nuts <laughs> here, or is like this not an obvious yes? So no, that was that was me yeah. personally. It's when people at the beginning of the season didn't like Sano, they have they have to continue not liking him now. It just seems, and that's because I mean they've got it's like they're hoping for him to just fizzle out and not be the guy, so they can be like, yep, got it, should play him. Well, to, to me, it's not just that. It's like, okay, well, the other thing was, like, oh, we need to see the production. I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. But he's oh, had yeah, the production yeah. so far. And the, the answer is still to some of them been like, well, we need, well, you know, we can't call it yet. I'm like, what the hell do you mean by that? What else does he need to do? <laughs> I don't, oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, oh, God. The Twins literally have an inability to win when Buxton isn't in the lineup. And then it's just, there's no, no proof. <laughs> no? Oh, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, oh, God, I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. So, there's there's that. You're going to write that article. Very good. I'm very proud of that. Yes. It'll be great. I'll be, be looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be good. Maybe I'll put your tweet in there. Like, hey, Matt, do you think this is a good answer to this question? <laughs> like, without resounding, yes. <laughs> Does Matt agree with good. me? Well, that's a oh, – I wonder if the answer to that question is. Oh, yeah. Probably. probably. Oh, well. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So, anyways, it's been a, another great episode uh, post-trade deadline season. Uh, had fun. I think you've had fun. Talked about a lot of things. 
And uh, we'll be signing off now. So thank you for listening. Bless 11 episodes. I still kind of wild that we've gotten this far without anyone, like, telling us to, like, kill ourselves or, like, take it off. <laughs> Just, like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, people are actually supporting this. It's kind of wild to me. Maybe this is the week. We can only hope. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You never know. With, like, the, the Twitter machine, it could happen. <laughs> but, but, yeah, um, so... I guess we're signing off now, and so basically ask questions next week, you idiots. So goodbye. Yeah. yeah, please ask more questions. I mean, we love answering questions. We only got one of them. Come on, guys. You're killing us. Yeah.